Hello and welcome to this episode of the Venus and Besta Evolutionary Astrology Podcast. Now this episode is about February, February 2024, uh, but I can't fit it all in into one piece. So it's going to be up until the 19th roughly. But really, I wanted to start by saying that February really does house the conjunction between the North Node, our destiny point, and Chiron, our most sensitive point in ourselves that we need to learn through. For the whole of February, there is a tightness in the exactness mid-February, but really this month is all about the North Node and Chiron. Um, And of course, the North Node is our destiny point. It's where we look to our North Star, which we may not notice, but it's always there. It's like the mission, should we choose to accept it? I love that bit in James Bond where, or the Avengers or whichever it is that where they go, right? This message, this is your mission, should you choose to accept it? And and it shall now um, self-destruct. But of course, this North Node doesn't self-destruct. It's always there, ready to be activated. And it's where we might learn our greatest lessons in life, where we will activate our karma. As much as Saturn is also about our karmic duty and the karma of our of our lives, the North Node is like how this might then play out. It's not our actual karma. It's how we can activate it and process it and learn from it in the greatest way. So often the North Node will show or demonstrate where we have challenges. But we obviously have got to learn from those challenges. Um And in the ancient astrology or in the Vedic system, which is based uh, or comes from India, it is an Indian mythology. They call this Rahu, the head of the demon or the head of the dragon. So this for them is quite a, a hugely kind of destructive but challenging force. But this does come from antiquity when India had a caste system where your life was pretty much determined, detailed from birth, and you weren't really allowed to escape the the bonds that you were born with. You couldn't step out of your birth situation, so to speak. And of course, if you did, there would be, you know, that the, if you attempted off the path with desires or, um, you know, hap- something happened to you, that was just deemed to be quite ferocious and, you know, not really done. You had to l- keep on your path. So there was terror there or any disaster that lay on your path. You could blame Rahu. But in in the Western world, we see this more as a doorway to things we want to learn about and things we want to achieve in this life that we might not even be aware of and we have no experience in. And given that the North Node, Rahu, North Node is always in opposition to the South Node, obviously. Um, The South Node is where we do have experience, where we have this experience we're bringing into this life. So we might have experiences in other lives that featured other things. But in this life, where your South Node is depicts where you have experience, where you're bringing the experience into this life so that you can use it in this life. But also, you know, so you can't get, you know, so enable you to then activate the North Node with that experience. And so this south node is often where we've had so much experience that we may have suffered here. 
really suffered and had conditions that have been oppressive and really kind of been too much in an extreme way. So now we need to learn and overcome and sort of the learning path is on the opposite end of the zodiac, on the opposite sign. And this south node is also um, Ketu, the dragon's tail, which, as you can imagine, is this swishing thing with scales on, thrashing about and could drag you and knock you off your course if you're not careful. So if you have sort of multiple planets or any key planets or angles in Ketu, the south node, you kind of are destined to relive some of those experiences destined to kind of kind of stay there. And you could see that as being quite stuck, depending on what planets they are. Um, or you could look at it as it needing to have that experience again and really nice to dig in there. So and sometimes this is sometimes it's more difficult to access the south node and you want to be more progressive, but you're stuck there or you, you know, you 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 need those south node aspects for this life. They're your skills that you've come in with, really. Um, and of course, if you're if you have planets or key things, key angles around the south node, this is where you can, of course, perfect those issues. It's not necessarily bad, although, as I say, the Rahu Ketu idea of it is or it's super challenging and destructive. Whereas I see this as more as the learning axis much like when you, and they are obviously related to the eclipses that open up big learning opportunities, which are often quite challenging and the big shifts in life. So you can, of course, if you have this south node, um, a, a strong south node, you can perfect those ideas in life and become an expert at it rather than allow it to swallow you up and not allow you to progress. So, in all of February, we have this doorway to our future, this North Node doorway swinging wide open. And standing in that doorway is Chiron, the wounded healer, this great big centaur of a man who is the most learned of all the centaurs. And he he took the, salt, the centaurs from rape and pillage drunkenness into being quite learned and understanding. And it's the process as well, of the centaur with the, in inverted commas, beast body and the man at the head. So it has the power of the beast, but the earthly desires of the beast. But the man has the consideration and that's a process for us all. Um, and of course, Chiron out of all these centaurs, apparently mostly depicted, although not always, with having, instead of the body as a horse with four hooves, he's got uh, two feet at the front or and the hooves at the back. So he's kind of moved on. He's e evolved further into the man idea of the centaur. It's like having a <laughs> Having a um a pantomime horse, you know, with the back and the sort of slowly you you get to stand up and not be the back of the horse, which is obviously in the dark and uh, bent over holding onto someone's waist or braces at the front. Um, but anyway, let's not move let's move on from that idea. Because Chiron was actually quite wise and learned, and we get serious now, because he he actually taught, you know, he became so learned. He was taught by Apollo and Apollo was utterly gifted in music and all those ideas that, that Chiron then, he was gifted as a physician. And so 
Chiron was enabled by Apollo, the gods, and then he taught in turn many others. Um, you know, from from most famously Achilles, he taught Achilles many things when Achilles went up to that um, the mountain where he lived and uh, he taught him many things there. So there is a real wisdom to Chiron. So wherever this wound is, it's not just this gaping, horrible, open wound. It is where you have to learn. You have to bring in real wisdom via your own experience. Now, Chiron actually, well, he was so wise that he helped create the poison that actually killed himself. Well, it, first of all, it was created to kill the Hydra, that beast that um, Hercules killed. And this poison was so powerful that when the arrow hit him and there's discrepancy in tales of whether it got him on the ankle, like the same spot of Achilles that Achilles was killed from. What did it go in the thigh? I wasn't I read I've had a Google of this before, obviously talking about it. And um, yeah, there's an idea that it hit him in the thigh as well. And if it was in the thigh, of course, the thighs, they centaurs are the symbol of Sagittarius and Sagittarius body part that it rules other thighs. And of course, the thighs, it's where you change, where the change happens from horse to man as well. And where there is this superpower to move forward. Anyway, Chiron uh, got damaged by his own poison and it was the only thing he couldn't heal. So wherever we have Chiron, it's not so much that we can't heal it. It's like there is a deep sensitivity to us and it might be for other people or whatever it is. But, you know, where we have been hurt and it's hurt and it's stuck and it and it creates a sensitivity where other people that you might know go, what, what do you what do you mean is don't worry about it. Get on with it. Where you're going, no, no, I'm really feeling this keenly. And of course, when planets pass it, it can get reactivated and triggered. Um, and therefore, we do need to master this spot. And so we do, we have, we continually get this idea that we are triggered by it and therefore have to learn and not to be so utterly triggered and devastated. But when we have the Chiron return, so Chiron takes around 49, 50 years to go around the Zodiac. That's when we have our Chiron return. And at this point, it's like we can no longer use our personal sensitivities as an excuse for any kind of behavior. Um, and hopefully we, we've actually not used that or long before perhaps in the Chiron opposition, which obviously happens around age 25. But at 50, at the Chiron return, we need to master this. We need to understand what our our triggers are, what our sensitivities are, and put them, put them to good use and master them and help others with the same things. And it reminds me of that saying, bring forth what is within you. What you bring forth will save you. And if you do not bring forth what is within you, what you do not bring forth will kill you. And this means the, your gifts as well as your wounds. You know, we are duty bound to bring that inner life out and and study it and bring it to mastery. And even though that saying was from the Gospel of St. Thomas, I think it's really highly applicable to Chiron. Um, and this Gospel of St. Thomas is not in the Bible. Um, it was found in December 1945 in the Nag Hammadi uh, in Egypt, uh, and not to be confused with the Dead Sea Scrolls, but 
this um, this gospel of St. Thomas is uh, and this that's doubting Thomas. This contains over 100 quotes written down, uh, presumably by him. Um, and this and this is what he says. Jesus said. But obviously the scholars are doubting this now. Um, and yeah, it's not in the Bible. One, because the scholars, the scholars say it's not from Jesus, but also it was discovered in 1945. Anyway, I think this is this is the kind of theory of Chiron and the Chiron wound within our chart. But also Chiron, the essence of Chiron, he also taught Asclepius, who became the most famous and one of the initial m- medics, the doctors. And he has this symbol of the staff of learning, that staff of uprightness with, on one hand, the dead snake, it wraps around and flops. And then the alive snake that wraps around and goes up. So these intertwining snakes. So what that is saying is that the little, a little poison will cure you, but a big poison will kill you. And what kills what, you know, the poison is uh, in, it all depends on the dose, doesn't it? But really, that is another big concept in healing that both kind of relate to this Chiron. So the idea you have to bring forth what is in you, otherwise it will stay there and kill you like a plutonic poison, really. But also then that the idea that that, you know, the Ashlepia symbol of the of the poison, a tiny bit is going to be good for you. So. We now have this Chiron and North Node conjunction for the whole of February, really. On the 17th, though, it gets activated because Eros, the asteroid Eros, you know, little cherub with the, with the dart, the arrow of love, is transiting this point at 16, 17 degrees of, of Aries. Um, and this is like the love bundle coming in, maybe perhaps reminder then of another healing concept then that love is the ultimate healer. That loving balm is is where it's at. So here comes Eros to deliver that on the 17th. And then on the 19th, both the North Node, who, who travels in a backwards motion, slips back over Chiron. And that's on the 19th of February when it becomes ultimately exact. But I think, you know, it's so within within a degree for the whole month and obviously gets activated not just by Eros, by other ideas, but mostly by these two points on the 17th and the 19th. And the conjunction between these two, Chiron and the North Node, is in Aries. And therefore, this is going to be relating to mankind's incarnation here on Earth. Why are we here? And Chiron says we're here to process stuff and to learn and to develop. You know, Chiron wants us to go to mastery, um, to be exalted and learn the um, discernment and the cleverness and the deep wisdom from experience. To hear, to learn here, the deep, rich tapestry of the emotional plane of being on Earth with all its travails. And there, the North Node here says you know, you can see what is relevant to you and your wound, because this is Aries, it's very personal. This is your wounds are personal to you and they're for your personal growth. They're created for you, you're born here for those things. And with Aries, it says you've got to take responsibility. And Aries wants us to initiate here because it's the starter klaxon with Aries. It wants to initiate some aspect of our healing within this 
February and within these two specific dates. But also Aries here is perhaps we are going to get triggered and some wounding aspect of our incarnation here, our reason, our purpose here is going to be triggered. Our ego is going to get hurt potentially. So this works on a personal level for our own reasons for being here, but on a more mass level, because this is quite such a powerful conjunction that it is happening to all of us. And it is really like an eclipse because obviously the North Node, South Node are eclipse points where the moon and earth um, and the sun um, form, form a, uh, a line, form an aspect, a horizontal aspect. Um, but so this is on a global level, on a mankind, as in mankind relates to Aries level, we are perhaps being maybe understood and activated to understand about our incarnation here and, and what is going wrong with that incarnation. Why are we wounded as humans? What is the distraction that's taken us off our path? Is it, you know, the, the actual distractions of the entertainment industry and all the desires that it shows us? Um is it the slavery, drudgery system that we've been pulled into to think that we can't create that stuff for ourselves and that we have to rely on an outer source and we have to rely on materialism the whole time? You know, are we tricked into suffering and going into war? Think of all the men that have lost their lives in war. I mean, that's just incredible to think of that the lives lost through war and it's the men that um, or the patriarchy that are creating those wars for uh, commercial or greed or other reasons. So maybe also with Aries there, this is losing our sense of self, of who we really are. What is our identity here? And Aries wants us to pick up our ego self and understand, get an inkling, you know, about why we're really here, what we need to do, what is our purpose as individuals to overcome the adversity. Um, so that's quite a big, profound thing for the whole of, of us to be grappling with in in February, <laughs> February 2024. Welcome. But also then Aries. Aries, of course, represents the masculine, the divine masculine and wants us to understand the role of masculine. Um, so is this a massive calling for the male aspect to come forth as leaders, protagonists, protectors? dynamic hunters, you know, showing power and strength with obvious fatherly tenderness, brotherly kindness, all those ideas of masculinity to come forth at this time and see where the wounding is in the in the masculine. And I remember back in the 80s, 90s, I worked in marketing and ever so often there'd be like the new male. What is the new male doing kind of thing? And I think this is another time where we're going to have this is what the new man is doing. Um, and, and hopefully is is bringing forth those masculine ideals and, and moving away from the toxic masculinity um, and perhaps also moving away from the idea that some men want to then become women and whether whether that's relevant, whether that is, um, you know, uh, whether we're allowed to have divine masculine. We are. We definitely are allowed to have divine masculine, divine feminine. Um, so maybe this is a resurgence of masculine ideals here. 
But unfortunately, we do have to remember that Aries is the god of war. And perhaps our leaders haven't really understood the horror of war. And obviously Chiron is here to remind us. And I just heard this World Economic Forum operative agent saying, you know, to stop this war in the Ukraine, we need more military weapons. We need to buy more weapons to empower us to stop this war. And I was like, how on earth did you come to that conclusion? That is just the death route. And obviously the death route, Pluto in Aquarius, Pluto death, Aquarius equals the people. Perhaps there is this idea of the death of so many deaths that are happening, that there's going to be no men left if they keep going to war. Forget about how much we're spending on the military. The death of of men in their thousands. That's a tyranny that our leaders seem to be oblivious to. And perhaps this is what is going to come about as well. The idea that we don't want to lose any more men to war. And, you know, in that level, why is it just the men? And then, of course, this is quite explosive and it is leading us further towards the nuclear lightning bolts of Uranus meeting with the expansive Jupiter in Taurus, representing Mother Earth in April. And obviously, we're going to come on to that and talk about that in great depth. But those two giants, those two incredibly thrusting, powerful, chaotic, um, well, Jupiter's not chaotic, but with Uranus, it's going to increase the chaos, which could be totally megaton bomb nuclear explosive for Taurus, for Mother Earth. So this kind of um, God of War activation here, showing us what's going on and perhaps the loss of and the death of so many Perhaps we're heading that way, you know, to finish this war once and for all, or not this war, all of those wars that are going on that just popped up for whatever reason, which isn't obviously um, relayed, relayed to us in the mainstream media. So before we start February's stars, I just wanted to highlight that, that we do have this really powerful conjunction of the North Node and Chiron activated throughout February, um, particularly the 17th and the 19th. But let's come back to the beginning of February, because last month, remember, we had the sun joining Pluto and moving into or onto the zero zero degree of Aquarius. That was in mid-January. And now coming forward to the 5th of February, The sun has obviously moved on from that spot, but Pluto is still there at the zero point of Aquarius, the beginner point of Aquarius, where it was from March to June last year. So he's sitting there waiting and powerfully waiting, uh, but is now joined by Mercury on the 5th of February. And of course, Pluto is a generational planet and you know, it can sit there quietly until it does get activated. And of course, it will get activated by the conjunctions, transits, the the squares and the trines of the other planets. So here is Mercury, a personal planet arriving here at the zero point of Aquarius, which, as we've discussed before, is quite a poignant sort of starter point for humanity's consciousness and the expansion of us into the age of Aquarius. And of course, here, where, where Mer- wherever Mercury is, is going to be activating our minds, th- activating our thinking powers and our powers of communication. 
joining the dots together like you know we used to play that as a kid join the dots or do kids still do that probably do it on an ipad but um joining the dots going ah working things out for ourselves making those connections but making connections with people as well and this is all going to be highly activated when mercury arrives with pluto but really pluto's there going come on this is your power this is what you really need to be doing. So there is an activation here for a real karmic, deep kind of um, play now being taken on by Mercury here so that we can wake up to that. And so Mercury is going to help us think, learn and express about the Pluto planet and what, what it's doing here for humanity. And perhaps we'll see the media pick up some issue with humanity because you know Pluto is dark it's the death so perhaps he is going to be talking about the death of all those guys being killed at war perhaps the media will pick up some idea of the excess deaths that are happening with Mercury here going yeah look at what's happening to humanity maybe the sickness or or something plutonic to be aware made aware of and maybe maybe you know what is humanity doing and perhaps then this is takes us through into award season as well what fantastic things humanity is doing you know what are we inspired to do and play out and expand our consciousness with and of course it's it's oscar season now oscar season now is a slip back to the 10th of march but the baftas are on the 18th of of february the the british awards for the film television association so Yes, you know, Mercury coming here is really activating and then Mars and Venus are activating this point of of Aquarius where we're going to be thinking about humanity, what we're achieving and why we're here. So I imagine that will be reflected in the films that are chosen, like Killers of the Flower Moon, those kind of things that really look at what humanity has been up to, which is a really good film. Uh, I quite enjoyed it. But yeah, the, the the BAFTAs are on the 18th of February. So that's right in time for that North Node Chiron conjunction. And perhaps there will be a lesson there for us to see written in the kind of shining lights of, of uh, superstardom. And that is happening on the 5th. So Mercury conjunct Pluto on the 5th of February. And then this chimes then with Mars coming in to uh, Aquarius and so Mars ingress Aquarius to sit on the zero point of Aquarius on the 12th, 13th, depending on where you are in the world, um, 13th in the UK and Australia, 12th in America. But um, yeah, so Mars comes along here. Mars is the power activator and he's going to add power to Pluto and increase the likelihood of any angry outbursts, of really any thrusting, fighting. It's going to activate those. So perhaps, yes, we are going to understand what humanity has been set forth to do here to take us through and and um, you know, activate all those warheads. That's on the 12th, 13th. And then Venus comes along on the 15th and 16th ingress Aquarius to sit on the zero point Aquarius with Pluto. And perhaps, you know, with Venus, she's going to highlight something, you know, nothing deadlier than the female, as it were, but not literally, but maybe in a more sexual way, in a more loving way. So perhaps the news, you know, more news about antibiotics being 
unable to cure gonorrhea now, that kind of idea with Pluto. It's the death stare, but with with a kind of sacral connotation. Perhaps then also we get more news about sex trafficking of children and, you know, how endemic this has been and really why it's happening everywhere. And people are turning a blind eye to the idea of children being sex trafficked. Tra- I can't say it, tra- sex trafficked. So people are turning a bland eye to the fact that children are being sex trafficked all over the world in huge proportions, far greater than any pandemic that we've ever suffered. Um, And perhaps then like the reason for the splitting of the children from their parents at the Texas border and those ideas, what's happened to those children? And maybe we're going to see more victims on the Epstein list you know, please come forward if you haven't already. And this is Venus conjunct Pluto, the darkness of sexual powers. So this is a good time also to note that Ghislaine Maxwell has her south node in Aquarius. She has her MC, her sort of career point, her highlight in Aquarius. Please, Ghislaine, come out with something because she's also got Jupiter in Aquarius. So this is sort of the her probably ability then to be quite dispassionate about what was going on and probably in some ways disassociating. But then I checked out Jeffrey Epstein because of this, this Venus, well, not just Venus, the Mercury, Mars and Venus, one after the other hitting Pluto and before the sun and the moon have done as well. Not, not forgetting, but here in February, we have those three and, um, Jeffrey Epstein is, his son is naught degree Aquarius. God. So again, why he's been able to disassociate and be unemotionally um, being able to process all that stuff. He's probably a psychopath and not everyone who's got naught degree Aquarius is a psychopath, but that has enabled him. There must have been some other activations too. His north node is also in Aquarius. It's note, but um, perhaps now we can see a reactivation of some of his his um, of what he's been up to in these times. So that I'm, I'm hoping that does bring about something. This Venus at the last point when the Venus one is on the 15th, 16th of February. But but going back slightly from the 7th of February through to the 10th, we have Uranus being completely kind of thrust into center stage. And Uranus, another generational planet, so slow moving. And perhaps sometimes we may not notice their activation unless they're going retrograde or stationing direct or they've got they've been transited by one of the other planets. Um so we might not notice it, but here we are with Uranus. Uranus is crazy. Uranus is the unexpected. And it's like the lightning bolt being given to us to go, oh, my God, the chaos curve that really thrusts us off on a different tangent. Um, it's really kind of quite an unstable energy and it's getting activated on the 5th of February. Venus is going to make a square to Chiron in Aries activating our wounds, uh, activating that sense of our sensitivities. But, you know, Venus is in Capricorn, so it's like, seriously, let's have a look. (laughs) Then on the 6th of February, Venus is going to square the North Node in Aries. 
because uh, that's at gone from 16 degrees to 17 degrees just before they make the conjunction at 16. But so therefore opening our ideas of what what's going to come, what's to come. And then on the 7th of February, Venus then makes a nice trine to Uranus. And this is where the Uranus activation starts. So Venus trine Uranus on the 19th. She's, Venus is really kicking up a dust cloud here. Firstly, you know, she's sensitive to where we might be heading because she's in Capricorn. She's There's a sort of serious element to her there. And then via the trine to the enlightening, powerful Uranus, we get this super download of information but perhaps we've been wanting to find out or understand all along. So we almost have to thank Venus for whatever happens on the 19th. She's drawing in some kind of information or, or confirmation that we that we need. We want to see how her charms here have pulled out and enforced some sort of of the chaotic thrust of Uranus. Like I said, come on, let's open the lid here. Let's have this Pandora's box of what's going, what's really going on. And perhaps, you know, with Uranus here, maybe we have some idea that Uranus in Taurus on Earth, planet Earth, that she's going to show, show us what's happening in the shopping malls of our country, We're going to have more giant aliens walking through the shopping malls in Miami. But on that money note, because Venus, remember, rules money, perhaps there's going to be more ideas about wealth generation or better ways to spend our money, maybe more activation on real money, because obviously the powers that be don't want us to move into crypto. And maybe there's more on that. Um, and maybe the better ways to spend money than billions on war. Maybe there's going to be some accountability here for all that money. Maybe we need a tax break or a reduction in the interest rates. I doubt we're going to see that if we're going to keep going to war. But we can hope and I think Venus there can draw in in Capricorn some levity to the situation of our finances. And maybe there will be a surprise coming for that. I do hope that happens. And so on the 7th and 8th of February, Venus is sort of flirting with Uranus here at 19 degrees, both of them at 19 degrees in Earth sign. So they're making a trine. And so, of course, this is a really good day to be flirtatious, to add a little bit of fun to whatever dynamic you're going through. And also, so that's the 7th, 8th with Venus playing with Uranus, playing in a fun way, having a good connection. But also on the 7th and 8th, we have the sun, who's now in Aquarius, um, is in a square to Uranus. So this square is far more forceful and it's like an irritation. Come on. It's the thorn in the side of Uranus, making it sort of making Uranus like work making Uranus far more explosive than he ordinarily is. And perhaps that's the sun in Aquarius, we might see people coming out to have protests, to demonstrate. We've had millions demonstrating, you know, anti-war or rather they've not been demonstrating anti-war. They've been going anti-Israel or anti-Palestine. And we really need humanity to come together to say stop all war, you know, pro-humanity and anti-war, whether it's Israel Gaza, Ukraine, Yemen. We don't want more arms, uh, more military spent in our names. And perhaps we're going to see massive demonstrations against that. I really hope that's another way that that could really play out in a good way. 
And But even so, this is highly volatile for Uranus to be so activated with Venus and the sun at the same time. And so here, right in the middle of this sort of unstable period and, and quite surprising events occurring, we have a, an Aquarius new moon on the 9th of February. And this new moon is happening at, not, at 20 degrees Aquarius. And a 20 degrees Aquarius is obviously in therefore a square to Uranus, who's at 19 degrees, 19 degrees Taurus. And this is going to create huge, powerful, dynamic shifts, lightning bolts evening. This is the opportunity here for us to crack open the earthly dimension of our existence and have a peek into the future ideology, the future expanse of what is possible for mankind, for humanity. And of course, remember that Uranus rules Aquarius where the new moon is happening. So this is a Uranian Aquarian new moon. And because it's been activated, it's so like a thrustful power open, an opening potentially even catastrophic opening. And of course, Taurus is in, I mean, sorry, and of course, Uranus is in Taurus right now and Taurus is Mother Earth. And so we humans, the Aquarian side of this, we might have to see some events to make us sit up and take notice like volcanoes, you know, thrust into some idea of what is really happening here, even nuclear or military explosions to make us realize. So Uranus in Uranus and Aquarius is the thrust of our opening and expansion of our consciousness and the and potential idea realization of who we are in the context of the cosmos, not of who we are and what our purpose here on earth, like understanding the greater understanding, the, sorry, the understanding the greater wisdom of the universe. And, and our position within it. And perhaps we can all kind of activate our own personal spaceships, you know, in, in a kind of cosmic way, in a consciousness way. And perhaps, you know, this is going to connect us intergalactically, interdimensionally, and perhaps non-verbally. This is like a new understanding or an inner standing. So this is the make a wake up call, really, a massive waking opening part for humanity, although woefully there are still some that are still so fast asleep that there it doesn't feel like there's an opportunity for them. So and some of us then are expecting an alien to arrive at this point or for total honest disclosure. But I think then we can maybe open ourselves ourselves up to, to us being the aliens you know, they're not arriving from outside that we are the aliens. We are actually multidimensional beings who have potentially other aspects of us in other areas of the universe. And as you I may have said before, I listened to um, Chung Fu from uh, Deep Soul Connection and Chung Fu is a channeled higher being he's amazing and i might um have his team here on the on the show for um you know one of the future s episodes but he says we're not just blobs of consciousness <laughs> we're not just blobs here of thinking power we know we have this frequency of in this vibrational universe and we want to be in our highest frequency because we can see the universe acts as a massive giant mirror 
and and it reflects out what we and and then in a fractal way enhances and um, projects everything that we're feeling, seeing, and you know it's like an electrical current that magnifies. And and Chang Fu says, you know, in in we didn't just create ourselves and that's it. We've stopped creating. We are creator beings, and at every moment we are creating ourselves and our lives, and that we have to imagine what our best lives would be and draw in our higher selves to ourselves. Otherwise, we're just empty. We have to draw in that multidimensional aspect of ourselves deeper into our physical reality. And therefore, this Aquarian new moon and Uranus activations are totally helping us to expand that awareness. And so that wonderful Aquarian new moon happens on the 9th of February. And then following that, what we've already mentioned is on the 12th and the 13th, Mars comes into Aquarius to sit on Pluto, which is the powering up this incredible force for humanity's consciousness and our awareness of ourselves. And then on the 15th, 16th, Venus then arrives at this spot to bring in a huge emotional dynamic. Good, we've got this emotional dynamic here because, you know, Aquarius is very rational and non-emotional. But here comes Venus to have a sensory aspect, to arrive at the love aspect here in Aquarius. So we do have the feeling senses, the astral plane being activated here too. And then moving on to the 17th, we have the conjunction where Eros activates. Eros, the, the little cherub with the love dart, is then activating the North Node and Chiron in a conjunction where they're both at 16, 17 and, and Eros flies past them both to be bring in the emotional dynamic and therefore open our hearts, qualifying us to, to expand the mind, our being and our aura with the heart sense, with the love sense. So I do like the fact that Eros, Venus and Eros here working to us to understand that it all does start with what's in our hearts. And then on the 19th, we have the North Node is exact with the Chiron, exact um, at 16 degrees, 45 stroke, 46 arc minutes. And um, as previously described, this is the doorway to our future, a future that we then have to create and maybe this is an opportunity for us to seek our purpose. You know, what is our role going to be in the future? Where are we going to be? Where, where, what is our future going to look like? And, and yeah, we can create some, most of that. Um, and here on the 19th, we start Pisces season. So I think I leave Pisces season and the rest of February for another episode uh, in two weeks time. So, yeah, please do listen in. Please give me a follow if you can. So we're going to end here on the 19th of February um, at the start of Pisces season. And also when our consciousness is expanding and our awareness of ourselves as multidimensional beings and the fact that we can also create that aspect and have some imaginative kind of input into how that might be. So blessings to you all. Let me know how this transpires for you too. Much love.